nervous too. I've probably lost the words. Hello and welcome to another Masters podcast uh, on the Lost Words podcast. I'm joined today by Lee Aldrich. Lee, how are you doing? All right, how are you? Excited to be on the uh, pod. Yeah, no, it's nice, nice to have you on again. We did one earlier in the year, didn't we? Um, and we we haven't been back to it. We've uh, it's, that's my fault. I'm uh, terrible at trying to organise things, so I thought I'd get in touch this week and get another one going. Well, that's okay. Well, it's been difficult to find the time to do any podcast <laughs> at the minute. Uh, we've we've locked down and and we're working from home and all kinds of things. So yeah, it's uh, yeah, finally got the uh, the time tonight. Yeah, it's good. And uh, look, it's been a, a Masters that we've been waiting a long time for, isn't it? Um, you know, it's it's a case of, you know, it wasn't just last year. It's almost like 18 months ago and it's it's kind of everyone's got the itch now and all these hype videos are going out. It's certainly uh, helping build the excitement come Thursday. Yeah, I mean, it's, it was that long ago. I can't even remem- remember who won the last one. Was there anyone famous? Yeah, I can. Uh, I think people can remember. I think he even put up a, a video. He did an interview. I haven't actually listened to it yet, but he was, apparently he was choking up, and I've, I don't know if I'm ready to watch that on a Tuesday evening yet. <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs> but it's um, look. I, th- I think that one thing I've kind of remembered is there's always seems to be one or two names that kind of stick out. Um, every year and I think that actually this year there's there's a, although there's a limited number of players that can win I think there's there's a larger number of the top guys that are more prepared to win if you know what I mean so I think yeah. that um, you know Dustin Johnson is obviously for me the best player in the world at the moment Bryson DeChambeau's on his own planet if you like um, <laughs> and, and he's obviously going to play I think it's going to be a completely different prospect for him but what do you expect from Bryson do you expect him to because everyone's sort of so concerned about how far he's going to hit it and things like that um, but ultimately for him I think the biggest difference is going to be how he plays on the green well yeah I don't think he should be favourite I think there's so many other players uh, around him that have got good claims to, to win in uh, and I don't know if he's if he maybe has got inside his head a little bit um, with all the changes that he's been trying to make and and the experiments doing it this week rather than a, a, the week before the Masters or a couple of weeks before the Masters. So I don't know. I, I think he's put a lot of pressure on on himself. Yeah, that, that was the thing, wasn't it? That he's actually opted to basically spend the four weeks or you know however long it's been um sort of working at home and and honing his swing if you like whereas the others have gone out and had some competitive rounds although i think if anyone's ready to adapt to any situation it is bryson but he cannot replicate tournament rounds you know just from being at home and working on the swing he's already said now that he's not going to put the 48 inch driver in play so i guess that's one thing yeah Um, there's still a lot of hype isn't there around the the, the clubs that he was hitting into greens, but at the end of the day, it all just depends on, on you know, whether he's that great with a sandwich in his hand compared to you know everyone else with a pitching wedge in their hand. It, it, it's still it's still fine margins, even if he's got a short club in his hand. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I suppose if if anyone knows how to prepare best for a uh, for a major, then uh, then it's Bryson at the moment. He, I'm sure he knows more about his preparation than than what I do. So. <laughs> if he thinks that's the right thing to to do it that way, then then I'm I'm sure that's for the right reason. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, we did the, the betting podcast yesterday, and, and I basically said that I just found it so hard to separate, you know, uh, DJ Justin Thomas, John Rahm, uh, and Bryson that I basically chose not to. It was going to be DJ for me it was a standout, and then in terms of betting odds, he kind of uh, shortened after his performance in Houston, and I kind of gave up on that one. Um, but is there one that stands out for you? 
Not that particularly stands out, but um, for the article I do for Golf Digest every week, I've got to pick a player to win. And then the player that I picked was Justin Thomas. Um, I think he's just got the he's got the most form going into it, and he's he's, he's progressed well. Uh, better each year that he's played the Masters. He's actually got a better finish every year that he's played the Masters. And, and I think last year it was 12th uh, that he finished. So he's getting better at uh, Augusta every year. He's he's getting he's becoming a better player as well. Um, so I think everything just sets up nicely for uh, for Justin Thomas. Yeah, I think the thing is, so for me, it was DJ that stood out. But uh, and obviously he overcome an early sort of struggles at Augusta and is now playing it, you know, as good as anyone else does. He's, you know, top tens in his last four starts, uh, second last year. But, um, you know, this is nothing new for Dustin Johnson. Every time he comes to the Masters, he's world number one. Um, you know, there's a lot of hype around him. Luckily, there's always seems to be one other person that seems to be talking about, whether it be Rory, whether it be Tiger. This year, it's Bryson. So... Um, I think he does seem to manage to avoid the pressures. And the one time where it did maybe get to him, he, he fell down the stairs or whatever it was that happened that week. So, <laughs> what, whatever it was that happened. Yeah. yeah. So I think, yeah, I think it would still be DJ for me, but I can certainly see the appeal of Justin Thomas. So one thing with Justin Thomas for me is he's got to get that quicker start in because he, he yes. struggles, doesn't he, on, on the opening yeah. day. He shot 76 on his debut, which you can expect on the opening day. But... He's still not broken. I think it's 73 is, is still his best score um, on the opening day. And, you know, I looked at it last last year and, and he didn't play the par fives as well as he normally would in a normal event. Um, it's just, it, I think that he's heading in the right direction. Like you said, he's obviously trending there. Um, it's Again, it's a bit like Bryson. It's his putting on the greens that's really held him back because he's the best iron player in the world, isn't he? Mm, yeah, yeah, well, certainly all that. I mean, there's a lot of good iron players at the minute, but yeah, he's certainly got to be one of the uh, the best. Um, g- going back to you, you picking Dustin Johnson, there's not a lot in it to be honest between Dustin Johnson and uh, Justin Thomas for me, and they'll both actually be in my uh, DraftKings uh, Millie Maker lineup. Yeah, that was the thing I was going to say. Is is you know we're going to get on to sort of how to build your lineups and things like that, and I was. I was taking a look back um, at the previous Million Maker winners, um, and you can't leave that. You know, it tends to be that you leave some sort of money to differentiate in the salary, but you don't do that here, do you? You almost use your full uh, allocation for this event. Um, yeah, and that seems to be I, the case again this year. Yeah, it's been strange. I think I saw a tweet. I can't remember who tweeted it out, but the last two years, the the uh, winning lineup in the Million Maker almost did come in at, at maximum. Um, uh, money, so yeah, it was it was either forty nine thousand or fifty thousand, uh, forty nine thousand nine hundred or fifty thousand the last two years. So yeah, you, it, it seems like you have to spend almost all the money, but you are going to have to find a, a differential somewhere. You're going to have to find a Justin Harding or a or a Cam Smith somewhere in there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I look look back at last year's uh, lineup, and I think this is correct. I haven't actually got it confirmed, but I think it was the first year that the winner wasn't in the the winning lineup, and it was actually. Uh, Kepka, Molinari, Xander, Webb, Cantley, Fina, which is a very balanced uh, lineup, isn't it? It's more okay. It's mm. you can sort of avoided the big guns, but uh, twenty eighteen it was Spieth, Bubba, Reed, Hoffman, Henley, and Fowler. Uh, twenty seventeen Casey Fowler, Sergio Kucha, Peters, Rose. I mean they've had the two playoff protagonists in that. Uh, 
2016 Casey again, Jordan Spieth again. He's obviously going to be popular. Hideki Matsuyama, Troy Merritt, Lee Westwood, Danny Willett. You you mentioned there about Justin Harden and Cameron Smith. Someone's had to pick Troy Merritt in 2016. <laughs> Troy Merritt. I mean, that, you know, that's the sort of player that we obviously we, we might be able to find a player like that as we as we go on through this discussion. Uh, and then go back to 2015, Spieth, Mickelson, Rose, Henley, Hoffman, Nahr. Again, Nahr wouldn't be someone that you'd particularly expect uh, to go well. So there, there has got to be a player in there um, yeah. that maybe goes against the grain of thinking. Maybe someone's, uh, you know, basically given up on because of it being the mid too short or whatever it's going to be. And that's how you're going to differentiate. Because obviously all these people are going to go... Um, you know, all of the top guys are all going to get picked, aren't they? It's just a case of which one do you go all in on. And I think that the way that Dustin Johnson's priced at ten thousand, I'm guessing he's going to be largely the popular one of the of the four or five. Yeah, because you you get to save uh, that seven hundred dollars from going to to uh, Justin Thomas and uh, and one thousand two hundred from going for uh, Bryson, which you can invest elsewhere in your lineup. It saves you having to have a very low six thousand dollar player in there so yeah I, I think he probably well i know that he is already the most tagged uh player on franchise sports who do the uh, ownership projections and they list each um player how many times that uh an expert has uh, listed them in an article or mentioned them on a uh, podcast and uh, at the minute he is uh, he does come out ranked number one for for most uh, expert tags yeah, and and I think that's rightly so, isn't it? You know, he's world number one. He's playing very well. Um, I think that, that he's sort of shrugged off the doubts, I think, about him in major championships. I know that he's still only won the one, but I think that he's not looking like he's going to throw them away now. It's a case of maybe just getting beat in other ones. Um, and, and I think that, you know, by all accounts, you should expect him to finish in the top six or seven this week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Play, playing brilliant golf. So yeah, there's no reason why you shouldn't. Is Is there anyone that you're gonna fade from the the top five or six? Are you gonna go against Bryson in the hope that he does sort of come unstuck? I am. Yeah, I'm fading Bryson. I, I think he's uh, he's projected to be somewhere between fifteen uh, and eighteen percent owned, uh, and if if it doesn't go right for him. Um, then with the money that you've saved from from not paying up for him, uh, I think you could have a real advantage this week. I mean, that could go terribly wrong. He, he could win by five. But yeah, I'll be. Uh, I, I've I've not got any uh, Bryson in in any lineups um, at the moment. I think the thing with with that is that everyone's kind of saying if it clicks for Bryson, uh, then like you say, he could win by five. But you know, this is this tournament is notorious for you know close run things. No one seems to generally pull away too much about speed. In recent memory, I suppose, but um, you know, it's something you could label to all of them. If Justin Thomas finds a passing stroke at Augusta, um, he could, you know, he could win by a couple. You know, Dustin Johnson, if he plays as well as he has been and keeps off that one bad hole that he seems to have at the Masters every year, um, he could do the same. So I think that paying up for someone like that. I guess it's almost a case of just a bit of a fear of missing out with Bryson because if you're, if you're not going to be in your team, that's it kind of thing. And I imagine people are still positioning him in one or two lineups just to just to say they've got him. But I, I do think that you can you could even start your lineups with Dustin and avoid the, the top four. And obviously you said Justin Summers would be your one, but yeah, there, there's definitely a, a case to be made to start with Dustin Johnson, isn't there? 
there is, yeah. I mean, he is going to be be high owned. He's projected to be the highest owned uh, player, um, along with John Rahm, um, of that top five. And actually, yeah, Justin Thomas uh, is projected out of the top five in the market to be the lowest owned um, at the moment. Um, but yeah, if if Ryson gets off to a really fast start on Thursday, then that could ruin my whole uh, Masters weekend. <laughs> might not might not even be watching by the uh, by the weekend if he has a uh, good first two rounds. If, do you think that the reason Thomas is kind of being overlooked a little bit is just purely because he's the one out of that that hasn't got the top ten here? I mean, because that you know everything suggests that he's trending in the right direction. He's the most prolific winner of the of the group over the last few years. So. You know, it it's, it seems weird to overlook him in this in this situation. I think it's his price, um, which will put a lot of people off. The, the fact that he's the second highest um, on, in on the slate, um, and I think people are, are looking at it and thinking, well, Dustin Johnson's got as much chance, John Rahm's got as much chance, so I'll uh, I'll pay down and, and save the money. I, I'm, I'm thinking that's the only real reason, and, and also because he doesn't have a top ten finish yet. At, the Masters, but uh, he was very close last year and he's getting better every year. Yeah, well, John Rahm obviously makes his obvious case. I mean, he's got a great record here, 27th, 4th, 9th, three visits. Um, obviously, he's, I think there was a little bit of talk that, you know, he hadn't won many tough events um, and then he goes and wins two of the tougher ones on the PJ Tour schedule this season. So I think that he's kind of got over that. Um, it would still be new territory for him, though, if he came into Sunday with the lead at the Masters. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I'm sure he could manage that now. He's he's been around uh, for quite a few years now, and uh, he seems to have lost a lot of his uh, anger issues. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, I think his mental side is is a lot stronger than than it ever has been. So, I, I can't see it being a problem for him if he is leading. And, and the last one to cover in that sort of top four in the in the slate is is Roy McIlroy. Top five, sorry, is Roy McIlroy. Um, a lot of pressure. And I don't know if it's so much self-imposed this year, whereas, you know, but everyone expects him to complete the Grand Slam. It's a case of when, not if. And I think that's very hard to uh, to live with. I know he's talked about, um, you know, having a, a child now and, and different priorities and things like that. But there's obviously still a great desire to get the job done, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, and um, <clears throat> the course actually really suits his game um, on... With Fanshare Sports do a course suitability ranking um, each week, and uh, and we've actually got him uh, listed fourth uh, in the entire field for for course suitability. So it is a course that suits him. He has performed well and had success at similar courses um, to Augusta. So um, there's no reason again why he shouldn't be uh, playing well this week. He's in my player pool, so so I'll certainly be uh, playing uh, Rory McIlroy. Did what Brooks Kepka did last week change your thinking at all? You know, how he sort of came over the weekend. I know, obviously, he did, in the end, kind of disappoint, but, you know, shot some good rounds over the weekend. And, and I know he spoke of uh, it being his driver that he put in play on the first two days that cost him the tournament. I think it's more to do with his irons. He likes to talk himself out of that. But did, does it change your you know thinking on him, or are you always kind of keen on him or, or not? It doesn't. If if he was priced down a bit lower, if if he was down say nine thousand or below, uh, I might be tempted to play him. But at nine thousand seven hundred, so he's the what seventh most expensive on the slate. Um, so no, there's players around him that that I much prefer. Um, and yeah, I won't be playing any uh, Brooks uh, this week. And what about Xander? Because obviously, in terms of betting, he is. 
you know, he's he's short every week now. People consider him too short to bet um, because the, the bookmakers are just scared to take him on, and, and rightly so, because he just consistently performs. Uh, in terms of fancy aspect, do you, do you see is he projected to be owned highly? or? Um, so, yeah, he, he's probably between 18 and 20% ownership. So uh, people love playing Xander. Uh, he always does well in, in the big tournaments. Um, so I can see why they would want to play him. Um, his, his current form's good as well. So, yeah, he's got everything going for him. Um, but again, he's just a little bit a little bit too expensive for, for me. I'd, I'd much rather just pay an extra 2000 for uh, for Dustin Johnson or an extra 4000 for uh, McElroy. Yeah, I think, I'd, you know, obviously I would certainly go to Dustin Johnson in that situation. I don't think we then come up to a group of players here that, you know, there's there's certainly some question marks over. I mean, Patrick Cantlay did get that win um, just recently, and but he kind of backdoored it on the Sunday. didn't really have the pressure that the other two guys had. Um, so I still think there's a little bit of question marks there. And although he had a great chance last year to, to post the score, he, he kind of fell back when he really had the chance. It only really lasted one shot before he was out of contention again, didn't it? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, to be honest, in the 9,000 range, there's only one player that uh, that I'll be playing um, this week because, as you say, that there are question marks around all the others um so yeah i'll be i'll be wanting to play a couple of the players from the top range and then play a lot lower down so yeah the nine thousand range is, is one that i'm going to avoid really this uh, week the, the one player is uh bubba watson yeah who is uh who's coming in strong. <laughs> <laughs> he's uh yeah he's got great form he actually ranks uh first for shots gained tee to green in this entire field over the last two months yeah yeah he's been um, striking the ball incredibly well as his, and his approach play has been great as well hasn't it yeah, that's it. So his game's exactly where where it needs to be, and uh, he's won twice, hasn't he? Um, twice, two Masters, is that right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, so uh, no reason why he can't uh, can't win a third one. Well, I think the thing that people, I mean, we have been currently on the podcast yesterday, and, and he said that he found it hard to see Bob Watson be the three-time major winner, and. That, uh, Masters winning. And I do get that. I, I understand that seeing anybody winning three green jackets is tough. So when Bub, you're saying Bub Watson does it, well, you know. But at the end of the day, is in terms of fantasy, especially, um, you know, just ignoring the, the two wins, he's 12th and 5th the last two years as well, and is in great form. So that would be enough, even in on his own. I would have thought would to even be make appeal because. When you look at the other guys, they're in the 9,000 range. Colin Morikawa is a rookie, slightly off the boil. Tyrrell Hatton has a bad Augusta record, albeit I think that he will improve on that just from based on his you know form. But I I wouldn't be so sure, and, and he's expensive enough for me to avoid. Webb Simpson is going to find it tough, I believe. Woods is out in the wilderness, and, and Reed is... Patrick Reed is good, and, and Patrick Reed would be the one for me that I think, other than above Watson, I'd probably look at in that range. But Again, I'd just go down to bother at nine thousand and save the two hundred dollars. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and uh, if there is anywhere uh, any major that one player is going to win three times, it's going to be uh, the Masters because it's always played at the same course. And if the course suits Bubba's game, which it clearly does, um, then yeah, he, he 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 could win three. I think the thing because there's a lot of. Uh, talk about the fact there's going to be no patrons this year and the the November Masters and those two aspects is going to make it a lot easier for rookies to perform well and and I can see the logic in it um, but I do think there's still a, there's still such intricacies about the course that even if you know even if 
everyone's got a slightly different challenge this year it, you're still going to count for so much having that experience yeah absolutely yeah i mean it's the uh the famous par three i forget which uh hole it is now um where the wind always catches everyone out and and i heard one player say not not too long ago that you do need experience on that because you you need the experience of how the wind gusts and you need to be picking the right club so yeah um there are still a lot of nuances uh, around the uh, the august course and and it does help to have played there a few times yeah we're getting into this 8k range now and i think this is this is a pivotal range as it, as it is quite often in in these sort of areas uh, and it starts with adam scott now of of the field he's the most likely run over the last year um, hasn't you know been glowing since he came back from the return. By the rhythm suggests that he plays very well in November. Uh, he has won a green jacket. Is there anything in Adam Scott this week that, that appeals to you? There isn't. No. Um, other than his his potential ownership, um, he, he's only he's projected to be under ten percent owned. So if you did want to play Adam uh, Scott, then you're going to get he's going to come through as a nice differential for you. Um, but no, he's not, he's not done anything since returning, uh, and I don't think he's played enough for, for me to want to play him over guys like uh, Finau and, and Matsuama. Well, that's the thing, is that he generally has a light schedule, doesn't he? And I think people look into that and say, well, if anyone can play off a limited number of starts, it's, it's Adam Scott, but it's it's so much, I think it's so much bigger this time around, because it's right. It's late in the year. Um, you know, it's been a completely diff- difficult season for everybody, but everyone's still managed to get their reps in, and he hasn't. And yeah. he hasn't. And he hasn't done anything. In the if he'd have played really well when he has played, you'd, you'd say otherwise. But you know, in the previous major championships, he hasn't looked his best, has he? No, no. So yeah, I, I think that there's players around um, around Adam Scott that offer a lot more for me uh, this week. Yeah, Tony Finau, you just mentioned there, he is uh, alongside Bubba Watson, my outside selection uh, for the tournament. I know there's obviously a concern that he can't win. Uh, there's the Puerto Rico curse, which yes, is obviously yes. going to carry on until until someone breaks it. Um, but to me, and, and I say this all the time, I think he's just as likely to win a Masters as he is a regular event. I don't think he gets phased by... The, the magnitude of the event, if anything, he gets more up for these majors, and that certainly yeah, that stands out in his form, doesn't it? I think is it seven top tens he's got in his last seventeen majors. It's something ridiculous like that. Yeah. It's just, um, you know, how do you how do you ignore Tony Fino in this situation other than probably ownership at his price? Yeah, exactly. So, so his ownership is going to be uh, is going to be high. He's um, he's one of the most popular players this week uh, and he's projected to have a, an over 20% ownership so you might want to take that into account um, but yeah I, I'll be playing uh, Fino. I, I like Fino this week um, his form's good coming in uh, he ranks 8th in the field for shots gained tee to green uh, over the last two months uh, and 14th for opportunities gained so yeah he's got uh, he's got everything going for him was it the Masters where he uh, broke his yeah, yeah, he dislocated his ankle in the past yeah. three, didn't he? Uh, was that last last year or the year? 2018, it was, and 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 he finished tenth. And I thought if he can do yeah. that on one ankle, imagine what he can exactly, do yeah. next time. And he finishes fifth. And and the thing that really stuck with me last year as well was the fact that yes, okay, he didn't he didn't get the job done. He had a chance to win, but he was playing with Molinari, who had the competition in his hands until the twelfth hole. 
and then he had to deal with the magnitude of what it was like for Tiger Woods to win a 15th major after such a long time. Yeah. Um, you know, yes, you'd love someone to have the killer instinct to go and do that in that situation. Um, but that is a hell of an ask. It, you know, there's not many players that you get paired with that has the impact that Tiger Woods has. And I, and I think I can let him off that situation and, yeah. and hope he comes well again this year. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah no problem with any, anyone playing female this, uh, this week. I'll, I'll be playing him. Hideki Matsuyama you mentioned as well. Now, I, I have a little uh, jab at Hideki every week saying he's he's, he's going to finish top 20 because every week he finishes 22nd, 17th, 24th, 27th. Finished second last week. Um, very good with the putter. Yeah. And, and if he does keep that going, then his Masters record is uh, is pretty good. Although the only thing I noted and, and one of the things that slightly put me off, and I think it's probably just a reflection of his form in general in, in recent years, but he's actually regressing uh, in course form because he went fifth he's, after missing his first cut he went fifth seventh and then started going backwards and, and maybe that's a little bit of a concern yeah although it's still two two top 10 finishes at the masters in the last five years so yeah i'd say it was, was still still good and, and his form's really good coming in this week with, with that finish last week and he also ranks 12th in the field for shots gained to green over the last uh, two months, so yeah, he's uh, again, he's he's got the course form, he's got the current form. We know he's a great player; uh, he can handle the pressure. Um, so yeah, so he'll be in my he'll uh, be in my lineups this week. Yeah, the only thing with with Matt, and this was different because obviously we did a betting show yesterday, was the winning upside with him because it's been a while since he has won. Is he then going to buck that trend by winning the Masters? Um, when he didn't do it, when he was arguably one of the best players in the world at the time. So, but in in this instance, you, you know, it can certainly see him finishing the top ten. And like you said, I know I said he's regressing in form, but he's still his worst finish here after missing the cut in 2013 was the 32nd last year, and he wasn't he wasn't playing as well as he is now. Um, and the fact that he's back in that form suggests that the sort of top 11 finishes he has had here are more in the scope of what he's going to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um... Yeah, no, no problems with, with him uh, this week. I, I think he'll go well. And at eight pounds and seven hundred, you don't need him to win. You you just need a, a top five finish. Yeah, absolutely. Going down now, uh, we've got a, an interesting group of players here. Tommy Fleetwood, um, for me, doesn't particularly strike Masters winner yet. I mean, I know he's he's a very good major player, um, but I certainly see him more as an open U.S. Open type. He's obviously got seventeenth place finish here. Uh, 2018, but a miscut in a 36th as well, and and I found him quite easy to overlook. Yeah, yeah, no, no interest in uh, Tommy Fleetwood uh, this week. I love him as a player, but no, I've got no interest in in playing him this week. Uh, the course doesn't suit his game, uh, and his his current form isn't great either. Matthew Wolf as well is bound to be popular based on what he's done in the last two major championships, but overlooking that, I know it's very difficult to overlook that when it was a. Uh, a fourth and a second at the PGA and, and the US Open respectively. But, you know, he's got a really tough challenge now um, to go and perform as well at Augusta, which obviously takes experience. And also, he's, he's the, the two uh, performances since those major finishes uh, have not been good, are they? 73rd and 50th of his last two starts, shot an 80 and a 77 at the CJ Cup. I know he finished with a 66 uh, at the Zozo at Sherwood, but still a little bit concerning heading into your first Masters. Yeah, and and also he hasn't actually played any courses in a PGA Tour event that are similar to Augusta either. Yeah. 
Um, so we, we've not been able to give him a, a core suitability ranking uh, this week because he just hasn't played any of the uh, the courses that correlate with Augusta. So that's got to be a concern as well. Um, but that said, he's he's got some good form coming in. He went spurred for opportunities gained over the last two months in this field and He's priced up fairly at eight thousand five hundred, so uh, so I'll be playing a little bit of him. Um, I, I think there's an, enough there to, to play a bit. Well, I think he is. I would consider him a boom or bust type for me. I think that he could heavily reward someone at eighty five hundred and easily be in the winning lineup. Um, but I also think he's just as likely to miss the cut, just because I, th- I think one, it's hard to keep up the record he's on in majors as it is, uh, and I also just think that it's hard to come here as a rookie, as we've already mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree with that. Jason Day um, was disappointing over the weekend at the US Open, uh, at the Houston Open, sorry, um, and another bit of sketchy form before that. I know he showed up um, at the PGA Championship where he finished fourth, but it's been a little bit patchy since then, and, and, and I actually found it quite disappointing how he went backwards in the Houston Open. I've had a great chance to win that. Yeah, so so. That was good in a way because it means that nobody has to worry about playing him this week. The the way he went backwards, I think he just managed a couple of good rounds and, and then reverted back to normal when the uh, when the pressure was on. In fact, I think I wrote in one of my showdown uh, articles whether it was Saturday or Sunday, and I'd mentioned that he might struggle under the uh, the pressure of of competing, uh, and and he did. So yeah, I. I I don't think anybody needs to worry about playing day uh, this week. I think the thing is with him is that he's always going to get a percentage of ownership here, isn't he? Because at the end of the day, he's got two top threes, a top five last year, a 10th place in, in 2015 as well. So he's got a very good Augusta record and, and people sort of saw him as a, as a must win, uh, you know, green jacket wearer. And I just kind of thought, you know, it's very, I've spoken about this a lot of times recently on the, on the podcast. I think it's difficult to just anoint anyone a guarantee at any sort of tournament, and everyone gets convinced that so and so is going to win the Open, uh, you know, and and Ricky Fowler win Open one day, and Ricky Fowler win at one day, and, and it doesn't happen. And Jason Day might just be the same sort of character. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and it's a shame because the course does really suit his uh, suit his game. I mean, we've got him ranked fifth in the course suitability rank. It's just a shame that he, he doesn't have any form to to bring along with it. Yeah, Sergio Garcia, if, if I think most people would have known by now that he's obviously out with COVID-19, which is uh, possibly a shame for him. I don't think it really changed anything I was going to do because he struggled ever since he's been a, a Masters winner, uh, not even just in, in this tournament, but in majors in general. Um, and also, he wasn't that great at the Masters before his win, so I think it was easy to, to overlook. Anyway, Jordan Spieth is going to be uh, an interesting spectacle this week. I think... He still hasn't done enough to really draw anybody in to convince anyone that he's playing anywhere near well enough to to play well here. But at the end of the day, he's got four top three finishes. Yeah, and and the course really does suit his game. We, we've got him second in our course suitability ranking. Just unfortunately, he can't seem to get the uh, the ball off the uh, tee at the minute. Um, so that's going to be a costly round here if he's uh, if he's struggling with that. I think the only thing is is kind of. You know, a lot of people speak of it being, you know, not so penal off the tee. It's not as wide as people have you make out. There is, you know, you do still need to keep it in the right places, in the right fairway. I just think that maybe uh, because it will look a little bit wider open because the patrons are not there and visually he knows the course so well that that may just 
because it could just men, you know, a lot of it's going to be mental. And if that just frees him up and he does mm. start getting off the tee, because he's, you know, his irons can come back to form and he knows how to chip and putt around here better than anybody. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I agree with all that. And and to be fair, he has picked up 11, uh, 11 expert tags uh, this week. So, so 11 experts have, uh, have said that he is a good play. Yeah, I, it's, again, I don't think I'd want to put him in a, in a lineup that mattered too much because he could have no. one. Um, and I think that's a similar case for Ricky Fowler because of non-winners here, he's he's one of the best, isn't he, on this course? Um, and it's just, again, it's very hard to look over his current form. Yeah, again, his current form hasn't been good. Um, so, yeah, there's no reason to play him, or, or rather I won't be playing him when, when there's other options around him that, that are playing well at the minute. And lastly in this group is Paul Casey. Now, um, it looked like he'd had a really good chance of winning the PGA Championship. He impressed uh, in contention. I think he just got beat rather than chucking it away, which is different for Paul Casey. Um, I think he benefited from not having the fans there, despite him saying he missed them. Um, it's been slightly disappointing since then, and, and sort of in and out, but had a 17th place finish at the US Open. Um, you know, shot four rounds under 70 at the Zozo. There's nothing too inspiring, but he is a very good player on this course. Yeah, he is. Yeah, I'll be playing him. I think 8000 is a fair price for him. Um, so, yeah, I'll be uh, be playing a bit of Casey this week. He does rank top 10 in our course suitability ranking as well. So the course suits his game and his form hasn't been terrible. Um, so, yeah, he might find something this week and uh, he might pay off the 8000 uh, layout. Yeah, I won't go through one by one in the 7K range now, otherwise we'll be here all night. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, is there is there a couple of standout players for you in that range? Yeah, I think you, you've got to like Louis Susan, uh, uh, 7,900. He, he's had success here before and uh, ranks 24th shots gained tee to green coming into this event. So uh, I think he's worth uh, playing. Uh, same with uh, Scottish Scheffler as well. Uh we haven't been able to get a course suitability ranking for him because he hasn't played uh, any courses that are similar. But his form's very good coming in, and, and he's obviously a class player. So I think 7,800 is a fair price for him. And then Rose uh, at 7,700 uh, because of his, his course history. Uh, he's still worth playing. I know his form hasn't been great recently, but he does rank 27th in this field for opportunities gained over the last month. So, so he's creating. Uh, opportunities for birdie so if this if there's anywhere where he can convert them then he's going to be here yeah and, and that's the thing with with the rose is that you know looking at the, the zozo championship he had three rounds of 67 and a third round of 72 which really cost him finishing higher than 17 which is you know in isolation is, is not a bad finish on its own anyway so although it's been very sketchy since finishing ninth at the pga where he would hope to have finished slightly better it, there's You've got to give so much respect to course form, if, if you know, here over anywhere else. And I just thought that, I mean, I, I've probably backed Justin Rose for every Masters for the last five years. So I think <laughs> I think it's when you start seeing him at seven thousand seven hundred in fantasy, you do get drawn in. I've managed to avoid betting him this year, but I do think I'll probably play him in this. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He's definitely worth playing at that price. It's a very, very fair price. The, the, the two that kind of stood out to me, and it's, it's slightly towards the lower range, uh, I, I did like Cameron Smith. Um, yep. I think that he, and I, I think you spoke about him in one of your articles, that he comes in with sixth opportunities gained over the last couple of months. 
Yeah. Um, plays well at the Masters, which is is obviously important. Uh, I think he's got a fifth place finish here previously as well. The only thing that sort of slightly concerned me with him um, is is do I do I think he can win? Which is uh, possibly a no. I know at this this price range you don't have to. And the other, the other thing to me was that although he's made three cuts, it was you know basically one of the worst of the pack in two of those years, and then a fifth. So I don't know the fifth was kind of an outlier. Yeah, but it but it does show that he can uh, can play well at the course if he's got a, a fifth place finish. It could have been the, the other two years his form wasn't good and his his form was good going into that. And at the minute his his form is uh, is good. He's definitely a player that, that I've got highlighted and ranked sixth for opportunities gained over the last two months. So he's he's given himself plenty of opportunities for birdies. So um, he, he could well uh, return a a high finish and that that price is. Uh, yeah, I think he's going to be a really good player. Lee Westwood, 7,200. Um, he loves Augusta. He plays well in major championships, generally speaking, but Augusta has been someone who's consistently played well. He's not played here for the last couple of years. He's not got into the field, but you know he was right up there the year that Danny Willett won. Um, he he comes second to Mickelson, and Mickelson won in 2010. It... <sighs> I really like his chances this week, actually. Yeah. I think that although it will probably be too long for him to win, I do think that he can place in the top half a dozen, top ten at least, and that's all you need from him with this prize range. That's it, yeah. Hey, I, I think he can certainly return value at 7,200. I was a bit disappointed by how he, how he played last week because he had been playing well in Europe, um, or, or England, rather. Um, and... Yeah, it was maybe just the, the travel over, the jet lag, it, it being his first uh, event over in, in America. Um, that may have been the reason why he didn't play very well. But yeah, I, I'm playing him this week. He's uh, He loves this course and uh, yeah, and his form has been uh, fairly good. Well, that, that's the thing is that he only came over to America for the US Open where he finished 13th and a, you know, a tough test, which obviously suits his game. Uh, then had that you know run in, in Europe and then comes over to the Houston Open, shoots 77 in the open rounds. So he's already on the back foot, but he shot yeah. 69 in the second round, which sort of suggests that he one, one he was, his attitude was right, two, that his game probably wasn't as bad as the 77 sort of suggests. And, you know, if you want a guy that's got two top threes, uh, three top threes here, sorry, since uh, 2010 and three other top ten finishes, then uh, that's the guy you're looking for. Jason Kokrak as well, I thought would be an interesting one. I actually think he could be possibly the, the top debutant because he's a guy that we've associated with not winning when he's when he's had the potential to do so. But he's now a top 25 player in the world. Um, he's priced nowhere near that, obviously, in this terms of things. Um, absolutely ball striking is as good as it normally is. And he, and he started to get his short game in check as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I like Jason Kohrout this week. In, in fact, over, over Christmas... Uh, Last year, I was writing articles on future bets for, for this year's majors. Uh, and uh, Jason Kotrat was one of my picks for the Masters. He hadn't actually, he wasn't in the top 50 in the world, but he, he was close. And just felt like if he could get in here, it would be a place that would really suit his game. So, yeah, I think he's got uh, an excellent chance uh, this week. Well, the thing the thing that I found with Jason Kotrat is a lot of people sort of focus on the fact that he'd never never got the win that he'd so, you know, for so long deserved, if you liked, and, and never got over line. But I, I think he's actually improved 
pretty significantly over the last couple of years. You look at his, you know, world golf ranking page, and he's obviously got that win at the CJ Cup, but he's got a second at the Valspar last year. Uh, he was eighth in the WGC last year, ninth in the Tour Championship. These are some of his best finishes of his career. Um, so he's slowly starting to build those together. Uh, a third at the Charles Schwab earlier in the in the, the restart as well. Um, and the other thing I quite liked about him, which I don't know if that ever factors into your decision, but he had that second at Riviera where he was beat by Bob Watson and tied second with Adam Scott and just in front of Dustin Johnson, all people that play well at Augusta. Yeah, yeah, that's a, a good spot, that. And also, um, barring his missed cut at the Shriners a few weeks back, he's not finished outside of the top 20 in any of his last seven events. Yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. And even before that, it was obviously the PGA Championship. So... It's, um, you know, and I think the, the Shriners as well, I can kind of forgive a missed cut there because the scoring was so low. They'd just come from the US Open mm. uh, where, you know, he'd actually played pretty well. And you just, I tend to be able to, if, if he'd have missed that cut and then missed another one, then you start to worry about him. But he's gone a win and 17th since then. Uh, and even after that, that win at the CJ Cup, when he was 17th for Shadow Creek, he shot 69-65 to start there as well. So, he's you know, he's, his scoring is is definitely up there. And I could certainly see him being someone that's probably near the first-round lead. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, definitely worth, worth a, uh, a first-round lead a bet on him. Um, then the, the other player in the uh, seven thousand range uh who i do really like this week and, and i'll be playing a lot of is sung jm um who comes into the event ranked sixth for shots gained to green over the last two months and uh eighth for opportunities uh, gained yeah the, um, the thing i found with sung jay is that like, i was convinced by him at the start of the year that he was going to perform really well in majors um and i think he was one of the people that really suffered from the break because he just got that win hadn't he yeah, uh, the Honda Classic, and I think he's the, he's the worst person uh, to have to down tools. Oh yeah, well he, he loves playing. He he's played every week for his entire life, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, he lives on the golf course. Certainly <laughs> seems like it. Yeah, he travels from from course to course. Yeah. I don't know as well who he's actually got in the bag now because he. I know we actually interviewed one is Caddy who he won the Honda Classic with was Alvin Choi, who's now gone back to to playing himself. Um, I guess he's got a guy that he's had for the last sort of six or seven starts. But it, that was just one thing that kind of put me off a little bit. And I just think that, I mean, I'm guessing it's the sort of short game that's really costing him at the moment because he, he's really not capitalising on those opportunities he's building. No, but this course will really suit his, uh, his game. We've got him ranked seventh in our course suitability ranking. So as well as a good form coming in, he's uh, he's well suited to, to Augusta. So, yeah, I think uh, I think he could have a, a really good finish. I think if someone had told me at the start of the year that he was going to be ranked 7,500 in this field, I'd just played him blindly regardless of what <laughs> yeah, he's been absolutely. doing. So yeah. that, that for me is a, is a massive impact, isn't it? Now we're getting down to the... I mean, actually, before I go down to the 6K range, I, I did really like Ian Poulter coming in. I thought that he, you know, he plays Augusta well. He's been really playing very well as well. He's had a couple of chances to win recently, but I'm a bit concerned about his back at the moment. He's, he's obviously nursing a bit of an injury. Yeah. Is there an Englishman that we haven't mentioned? I, I no. think we might. <laughs> <laughs> All the Englishmen, haven't we? Um, but yeah, Ian Polter, he's a, he's a great uh, competitor, so he, he can play anywhere and, and he lifts his game up for the uh, for the majors. But I just, yeah, I won't be playing him. I, I think he's, his form's not... He's not shown anything recently to suggest that he's he's worth playing. 
Yeah, and you know, this is where I actually find this the best range, and this is obviously where you're going to differentiate your lineups, isn't it? This 6k range. Um, I, I can draw a line uh, through anyone 6200 and below. I don't think, I think you're just taking an unnecessary risk if you're going to try and slot one of those in just to try and make a cut. I don't know if you feel any differently about that. I've got a couple at 6300 that I'll, uh, that I'll be playing. Yeah, that, that was about as low yeah. as I'd go. Six. No, that's as low as I'll be going. Yeah. Yeah, I think the we'll start at that sixty-three actually because I think we both agree on the player at that, and that's Justin Harding. Um, yeah. Because I was I was really surprised actually. I know that he was in incredible form coming into the Masters last year, and I think that he rode a lot of that. But at the end of the day, he still has to be able to play that course well. It doesn't matter how good a form you're in. Play. We've seen it over the years if, you, if you're not suited to augusta you're not suited to augusta no matter how good you are um yeah. and, and the fact that he just performed well for the whole of the entirety of it no matter how pressured it got really stuck with me and then although he he kind of went backwards last week he had a couple of decent rounds uh looked quite tidy a couple of 68s and he shot 64 at the scottish championship as well yeah and he's had uh since, since the uh restart after the coronavirus he's um he's recorded two third place finishes and an 11th place finish on the uh, European tour. Um, so he's, he's got form over in uh, Europe and uh, yeah, he, he came across last week and a, a decent 38th place finish when you think where Lee Westwood finished and, uh, and Harden finished in 38th and he's all priced all the way down at 6,300. Um, yeah, he's worth playing. He's, he's also picked up 10 uh, expert tags as well on the Panchair Sports Pro Dashboard. So yeah, there's a few people that, that are liking him this week. I think the only, I'm guessing, the major concern has been the fact that uh, he obviously didn't play very well at the US Open, missed the cut there, um, and, and it's probably a little bit easier to overlook the U- decent performances on the European Tour versus a PGA Tour. But in the, the day, that was how it, that was the foundation he built his appearance on last year, and you just got to focus on that. He was so good here last year for someone of his caliber at the time, and certainly for his price tag this time around. Yeah, absolutely, and he, and it certainly is a, a place where it's uh, horses for courses. You, you look at Fred Couples and, and players like that, that that consistently play well at Augusta, and so there's obviously something about it that, that suits it, and, and Justin Harding could be one of those players where um, where he, he just will always play well here. Is, is there another famous, is it another famous JT that you're going to go for in 6300, or is it someone else? It was JT, yeah, it was. <laughs> Yeah, JC yeah, Poston, yeah, 6,300. I mean, I'm, I'm not enamoured by him, but I think everything's just nice enough to, to uh, sprinkle him in at 6,300 if you do need to, to play some lineups with a 6,300. And, and if you've already got a lot of Justin Harden, then yeah, JT yeah, Poston. Yeah, I think with him, it's, it's a case of he's just playing and very well and he's an improving player as well. He was 20th last week at the Houston Open, 27th at the Shriners, 3rd at the Sanderson Farms where he had a good chance. That's just a very a player playing at a, you know, a high level in decent fields and preparing for a major very well. That's it, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, he's very nicely priced. He's, uh, he's, yeah, I think he's going to prove to be a bit of a bargain down at 6,300. I've got a I've got a couple more in the 6k range I want to go into a bit more detail on and then um, obviously I'll pass them over to you as well. First is Victor Perez, uh, 6500. I just it, it caught my eye really that he finished 22nd at the PGA Championship. I know he missed a cut at the US Open, but 
you know, this is a guy that is playing at you know a high level. He was second in Abu Dhabi at the start of the year. He'd won the Dunhill Links. Um, you know, he'd finished second at Wentworth behind Tyrrell Hatton, who's obviously getting a lot of uh, plaudits at the moment. Um, okay, he was you know disappointing in Italy, but I think that's a bit of a funky course. And the other thing I really liked about it is he's got JP Fitzgerald on the bag, which is Rory McIlroy's former caddy. And I just think that that may help him get over the the debutant thing here. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. He's there, uh, and he's a good good player as well. Um, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see how he does go this week. I just think we always we we do always see uh, you know one European tour guy exceed expectations. You know, Thomas Peters has been up there. Thorbjorn Osen has been up there as well. Um, different, obviously, Kessler Fish in terms of Troy Merritt being a PGA Tour player. But that that kind of profile player, you do need to find someone in this range that's going to go and do that for you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you do. Um, the the other the other guys that that I thought I think it'd be it'd be silly not to mention Francesco Molinari, given uh, what happened to him last year. I know that he's going to step up on the twelfth tier, and that'll bring back an awful lot of probably bad memories. A lot of people have basically said he's never recovered from that. Um, now he missed the cut at the Shriners, but he shot seventy sixty eight, which you know isn't that bad. It was just a low cut. Uh, and then he finished last week in Houston with a 66, and I just thought that, you know, he, he played really nicely, he struck the ball well, um, and at the end of the day, he's got, you know, just a, even overlooking last year when he had a great chance to win, he's actually got an improving and decent Masters record as well. Yeah, he, he's actually gained shots on the field in both of his last two uh, PGA starts, uh, and, and last week he, he actually gained 4.7 shots on the field, um, tee to green, so so he's actually playing really well, uh, and he potted well last week as well, he, he gained 2.7 shots on the field potting, so he is actually playing well, despite not having done anything um, since February, um, or, or for a while now, uh, he, he has actually played fairly well the last two weeks. And do you, I'm guessing that, you know, when you get down to this range, there's always risk attached, right? It's not, there's no, I'm not going to sit here and I don't think you would as well try and go right as a surefire player to stick in at the 6K range that's going to certainly give you top 10, um, you know, payout. We can't do that. It's based on potential. But there is obviously a concern about how his memory is going to flash back from last year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I I think he's a strong enough player. I think he showed in in the Ryder Cup how... uh how strong he is mentally so I think it would be unfair to say that it definitely will uh, affect him uh, but we'll have to wait and see we'll, we'll see how it goes Absolutely, then the other the other two that I wanted to mention um, uh, one was Eric Van Royen it's his debut at Augusta I think that the, the test will suit him he's a long hitter, tidy short game uh, 20th last week in Houston, then before that he's gone 27th at Wentworth, 6th at the Scottish Open 23rd at the US Open so he's in great form. Um, the type of profile should suit this test. I don't know how you guys have got him in the course of his video ranking, but I think he should be okay. And he's got a certain level of mentors that he can lean on there as well. Yeah, so he's not actually registered any rounds uh, at courses that are similar, unfortunately. So we've not been able to give him a uh, ranking. So that might be a bit of a concern. But yeah, he's, uh, he ranks 31st for shots gained to green. Uh, over the last two months, so uh, yeah, he's uh, he's got the form, and yeah, I'll, I'll be playing a little bit of him. Go, going back to your point about not expecting too much, or, or they're not being a surefire pick down in this range. When you're building a lot of lineups, you, you just want to find about 10, 12 players that are below seven thousand, and then just evenly share 
the ownership uh, amongst your lineups uh, along all those uh, players. So he he's one player that I will be uh, that I will be playing. It won't be a lot. It, it'll be about six six percent something like that. But um, yeah, he's a player that I'll uh, I'll have in my player pool. Is Bernd Wiesberger another? Because he's got uh, four made cuts here, 22nd and the 24th, and some experience in major championships as well before. Yeah, he's not actually. <clears throat> he's only just missed out on being, being in the uh, player pool. But yeah, he's not quite uh, made it. There, there are quite a few players that I do like um, around this uh, price mark. Give us some other names that you do like around this range. So, I mean, obviously you've got Henry Stenson. I, I think 6800 is is too low a price for uh, for Henry Stenson. Um what do you concerned about the health of Henry Stenson? Well, I, I don't think he would be playing if it was too much uh, of an issue. Um, I think he played last week, didn't he? Did, did he? Yeah, he, he, he didn't withdraw cut, last yeah, week. Manner. Yeah, so he played two rounds last week. So I think if it was a real issue, he wouldn't be playing. And then there's always the old adage, beware the injured uh, golfer. <laughs> <laughs> um, but very frustrating that he withdrew uh, two weeks ago because I actually had 90% ownership of him two weeks <laughs> And uh, so that was a costly withdrawal. Uh, but Siwoo Kim, uh, I really like yeah. at 6,800. Uh, ranks 33rd in our course suitability ranking. Uh, he's finished in top 25 in both his last two events here. Uh, and he ranks top 20 for both shots gained, tees green, and opportunities gained over the last two months. And I think the miscut last week will maybe help a little bit of his ownership because I think he was on. Uh, maybe a bit un- uncharacteristically of Siwoo Kim is he's starting to build a bit of consistency in his game, which what caught my eye. Um, yeah. He's always been a bit boom and bust, hasn't he? And then when he starts stringing events together, um, if he'd have you know, had a 37th and 8th and 17th, and all of those could have been slightly better, uh, had he had them backed that up with another good finish last week, you probably would have been talking about quite a, not a high-owned player, because obviously where he is in the price bracket, but he'd have been a very popular player, I thought. But do you know what? He is still looking like he is going to be very popular yeah. um, for this price range. He's picked up 21 expert tags and, and his projected ownership is, is actually between 13 and 15%. Um, so, so even <laughs> with his missed cut, uh, yeah, he's, he's, looking, uh, he's looking like he's going to be popular. And I guess that's because he's still got two top 20 finishes in his last three events. Yeah, at the end of the day, you know, he, he has played the course and, and played it well, so that's obviously going to stick in people's memories. Lanto Griffin was another one that caught my eye because he enlisted the help with Vijay Singh during the, the lockdown. At, I think they were both playing at Sawgrass and practicing and working out and God knows what else uh, in between. And I think that it's a bit of an unusual friendship, uh, but he's yeah. certainly yeah. taken him under his wing. And he's he's played practice rounds with him, I would have thought, uh, given their relationship. And then he's got the first two rounds of him as well. Yeah, and his form's decent coming into it. So, uh, yeah, again, he's, he's another player that has made, play, made my uh, player pool. So, yeah, I'll be playing uh, a little bit of uh, Lanto. That's the thing as well. Is it's not just a case of, OK, well, he's friends with Vijay Singh, so he's going to play well. It's, it's obviously deeper than that. It's the fact that... You know, he had a 7th and 11th uh, over the CJ Cup and Zoza, where he had you know, good chances to contend at both and had disappointing final rounds. But he's just generally improving as a player, you know, in total, isn't he? Yeah, oh, absolutely, yeah. Yep, yeah, he's got uh, bigger things coming his way, that's for sure. Is there any players that we haven't really covered in this uh, this area that you want us to talk about? Yeah, so actually the most popular play down in the, uh, or who's projected to be the most popular play down in this range is actually uh, Sebastian Munoz. Yeah, I thought it might be just because of his current form. Yeah, he actually he ranks 15th um, in the um, amount of expert 
um, tags that he's picked up. Um, but yeah, that's because he's coming in in excellent form. Um, he ranks 31st in a course suitability ranking, so the course should suit. Uh, and then, yeah, he's 25th for shots gained seeds green over the last uh, two months and uh, 13th for opportunities gained as well. So so he's, he's got everything going for him and he's priced up at, at just 6700 So it's you can see why he's a popular um, pick this week. Well, the thing with him is that he just strikes dependable to me um, at yeah. the moment. You know, he's he, he's not a lot. I mean, he missed a cut at the PGA Championship, but, you know, he's been, yeah, I think, with 10 made cuts since then. Um, he's had three top 10 finishes since then. He's just uh, a guy that you can sort of hang your hat on and hope that he's the guy that kind of powers you through at a low price. Um, and, and every, you know, he's, okay, he's not the longest on tour, but... He seems to have this kind of effortless power that, that kind of helps him through. And again, uh, like we just spoke about Lanzo Griffin, he's he's won not not too long ago for the first time, and you certainly expect bigger things to come as well. Yeah, he, he's a good player. He's uh, he's he's very solid, uh, very consistent, and yeah, he's uh, he's getting better and better. Yeah, and I just I kind of um, I, you know I think there's just a limited amount of guys that I would go to. Um, in this range and, and I think we're kind of getting to the point where um, like you said 10 is probably you know the limit that you'd want to, to keep dabbling in these kind of players because there is so many risks uh, involved mm. um, but you know th- there's, a, there's a former winner down here in Charles Schwartzel I don't know if you can really yeah. rely on him given current form um, yeah he, he upset a lot of people uh last week being the only player to uh, to not complete his uh, round two and then went on to, to bogey the hole that he wanted to finish and missed the court. Yeah, so that's going to uh, probably play on his mind. But he plays so well around here that uh, he's comfortable around here. So, he's uh, yeah, he's, he's worth uh, sprinkling in. The, the other one that, because there's been this talk of some, some poor weather this week and as soon as poor weather it gets associated with the Masters, everyone likes to bring up Zach Johnson. Yeah. Um, he has struggled a lot at Augusta. He's one of the worst uh, stroke averages since getting his green jacket. But he's playing really well at the moment. He is playing well at the minute, yeah. And, and he's another player that, that I like that I'll be uh, spring, sprinkling in some of my lineups. And uh, he ranks 19th for shots gained to his green over the last two months. So, yeah, he's, uh, he's playing some good golf. So, he's, he's fairly priced up. In terms of strategy, then Lee, what? Because uh, you know, I don't think there's any magic formula like we spoke about before. I think that it's a case of using up all your salary. But last year we looked; it was quite a balanced approach. I think you spoke at the top of the show that you're going to, you know, start a lot of lineups with JT and DJ in the in the same lineup, which means that you are going to have to start looking to these these lower pros guys. What, what what's your kind of overall strategy going into the week? Yeah, so so this week is it is going to be stars and scrubs. For me, um, there's a lot I like at the very top, and there's there's plenty that I like down at the bottom. So I'll be um, I'll be mainly playing um, the four that I liked at the top: uh, JT, Dustin Johnson, McElroy, and uh, John Rahm. And then I'll just be uh, padding it out with plenty of options down at the bottom, and just hope that some of those options that I picked down in the bottom range uh, can post a, a top five, top ten finish. Because that's the thing, isn't it? There's no way that you can play all the best players. That you know, it's just you have to fit within a salary cap. So you have to take. I think you. The important thing is you do need to take two very strong contenders. It doesn't really matter 
potentially where it comes from. But I think if you haven't got someone uh, between two people, between maybe Bryson and, and Tony Finau, is probably as, maybe even Hideki as the top two guys in your in your picking, I think you're going to struggle. Yeah, absolutely, and and you've got to you've got to find a differentiator if you're entering a a GPP and and you're wanting to to win, you know, like the mini maker or the mini max, you've got to have a, a differential in there. Um, so yeah, you, you've got to be picking a, a low owned player, which again is where Fanshare Sports uh, is particularly useful this week. And actually, there, there's a free seven day trial um, at Fanshare Sports at the minute, so. Great time to sign up and uh, check out all the stats that are on offer and the projected ownerships, and you should be able to easily pick out a, a few differentials that, that could make all the difference this week. I'm glad you did the, the, the mention there because I was going to read all that out, and you do the better. You know, being part of the team is uh, you're the better guy to sell it to well, us. But it's yeah. a, it's a great tool, isn't it? Yeah, well, I use it every week. Um, I'm heavily involved in it. Um, so I, I can see how good the tools are. And it's, it's getting better and better and, and what's available on the dashboard. And there's always new stats that are going up there. And the ownership's uh, projections are really strong. Yeah, it's just a fantastic time to, to use it. A fantastic tool and well worth checking out if you're uh, playing DFS this week for the first time or you haven't checked it out before just to see exactly what is on there. Because... I, I quite often post um, hidden gems that are available each week that you may not pick out from from other stats, just from some of the um, stats that are available on the the pro dashboard. And uh, yeah. yeah, they they turn out really uh, well, turn out well most most weeks. So yeah, it, it's fantastic. It's always it's getting better and better each week. I think the thing is because so it's such a different world between betting and DFS, isn't it? I think it's quite, it's something that people probably don't quite understand because when I first signed up to DraftKings and I've never really got that heavily involved in it because there's so many people that are so sharp at it and so good at it that you, you know, maybe I'll just stick to my strengths in terms of betting, but it's always great fun to get involved in. And that's why we want to talk about this on, on the show. But for me, the mistake I always made was kind of go, right, well, I've picked four or five players each week in terms of betting. I'll just try and put them in a lineup. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, because I was always picking a long shot at 150 to 1, 200 to 1, I slot him in. Um, and, and, you know, when you bet on someone like that, 150 to 1, uh, it doesn't, you know, there's no kind of, if he misses a cut, you're not surprised, you're not too worried. Um, but, if, if you know, it's going to be critical uh, that he makes the cut in this situation, especially with, you know, it's a 55-56 player cut, isn't it? I think it's top 50s and ties, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and the, and the, I think they've removed the 10-shot rule this year as well, haven't they? So it's it's generally meant to be an easy cut to get through, but it's important you do get through it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and um, yeah, it's it's so different, the, the fantasy compared to the betting, because you'll have a player that's priced up so low, um, that you've almost got to play him that you wouldn't think of, of putting a bet on. Uh, and then of course you get the, uh, you get this, the, the cut sweat uh, by the end of the Friday round. So that's almost like the final day uh, just to try and make sure you get six players through. And then you've then got the, the sweat on the final day to see how all your players do on the final day. So yeah, there's, if, if, if anybody's listening that hasn't tried out uh, DFS or DraftKings or, Fanjul, then yeah, give it a go because it's it's such good fun and and you've got enjoyment all the way through the uh, tournament. Is there one sort of beginner's tip or something that someone should avoid if they're doing this for the first week that you that you kind of notice from beginners mistakes they make? Yeah, if I would say it, to play single entry 
um, GPPs. If, if you're only looking to build one lineup or a couple of lineups, then just stick to your, your single entries or your, your free entry maxes because that way you're not playing against the people that are building 150 lineups each week. So you've got a better chance of, of cashing. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's great. I think that's a great way to look at it because that was the thing for me. I kind of just entered any tournament and saying like I had a decent prize, and then I've quite quickly realised actually now I'm going up against people that have got, like you say, 150 shots at this, and I've got one one lineup that I'm absolutely pinning my hat on, and then if it doesn't come in, I'm I'm struggling. Yeah, um, so, so I think that's the way you do it, isn't it? Yeah, if you go to the search, there's a search option on there when when you're in the list of tournaments and search for single, and it bring you up all the different single entry ones and find the one for your entry level and yeah just uh just uh try out that way and unless you are looking to build multiple lineups not to give away your secrets too much but is there one player in terms of ownership uh, and value that you consider your sort of standout pick for the week yeah yeah i think some jm i think he'll be the uh the player that i'll, I'll be mostly uh playing yeah i think because because to me like he I found it quite easy to overlook him, and and then when you talk to me and, and give me the data that you give me, obviously that you've got off fan share sports, it's you start to question it again. And and if the people are having those sort of questions with themselves, he's not going to pick up a massive amount of ownership. I don't think even even leading up to Thursday. Do you know a little tip here, for, and it's it's good for the listeners, but yeah, Song Jae-im is actually projected under three percent ownership. <laughs> there you go. Uh, of the top guys, is there anyone that that comes in? Um, sort of unexpectedly low in terms of ownership that you think people could maybe try and go in that direction. I, I looked at maybe people being a bit afraid of Tyrrell Hatton, but I suppose that the way he's playing, people are still probably picking him in their lineups. Well, uh, I mean, JT is quite low uh, at fourteen percent, considering he's one of the uh, favourites. But um, if you want even lower than that, uh, Colin Morikawa is uh, is projected to be less than five percent owned. No, a major winner already this season. So and he's a major winner already that. and this season. So, yeah. And then uh, you probably will get the lowest ownership you've ever seen on uh, on Tiger Woods at the uh, the Masters as well this week. So before we go, because you know, it's a good place to actually wrap up there, Tiger Woods is is expected to struggle this week. He uh, Obviously, the low ownership, the high odds in terms of betting, you're not going to see the figures I think I saw on on bet fairies, I think it's 75 to one this week, which I'm sure there'll be plenty of people taking some of that. Um, he is struggling with his game right now though, isn't he? He is. Yeah. He, he hasn't played very much. And it, I mean, he's, he's probably been struggling for a while. I know he won the masters last, uh, last year, but I guess that came as a, as a bit of a surprise. Um, so yeah, he, he'll, he'll do well again to win this, this year. But then I guess we were saying the same thing last year. There's, there's no. I think the thing is, I think I listened to uh, an interview with Charles Howard III the other day, and he said there's no one in the world that you, you know, that you don't really want to write off less than, you know, than Tiger Woods. You just do not write the guy off. No. Um, it's just so hard to see, though, isn't it? Yeah, it is hard to see, but, but yeah, I mean, yeah, Howard was right. Yeah, if if anybody can, anyone's got the mental strength uh, to uh, eke out a win around uh, Augusta, then yeah, it's Tiger Woods. Well, no one no one knows it better than him except for maybe a couple of the older guys in the field that definitely haven't got a chance to win. So, uh, yeah, it'd be certainly interested to see what he can do. I think if he gets off to a quick start, that's just going to fill him with so much confidence that maybe yeah. he can overperform. Well, that'd be huge, yeah. If he can get some confidence uh, going, then, then yeah, the, the putts should start rolling in and 
his iron game's always been strong. So yeah, uh, if he does get off to, to a fast start, then then he could go well. Yeah. I did notice in his group it's Shane Lowry and John Augustine. I think so. That's uh, was it Andy Ogletree? I think it might be Andy Ogletree. But that kind of seems to me a bit of a non-group for Tiger Woods. Uh, I know they're meant to be random and and things like that. But you've got Dustin Johnson and Roy McIlroy in one group, and then Tiger Woods is paired with Shane Lowry and and Andy Ogletree. Shane Lowry constantly struggles at Augusta, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's not really done anything here, has he? But I mean, that might suit Tiger. Um, he might, might allow him to concentrate on his uh, on his game, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Lee, I thank you very much for joining me this evening. Hopefully, we can do a few more of these in the future. I think it's certainly, um, you know, enlightening for especially uh, an English audience or a British audience because I think that you know uh, DraftKings has been such a massive thing in america for quite a long time because they haven't got the same sort of betting availabilities over there it's, it's their game isn't it but um i think that if we can bring an audience to it over here and get people playing more then that's certainly gonna be a good thing for everyone yeah do you know we, i mean we love fancy football and, and i'm talking soccer um as a uh, as a country um so i mean DraftKings should be a lot bigger than than what it is um it's just daily fancy um game so yeah I'm, I'm surprised it hasn't taken off more than what it has done over here but yeah if people give it a go uh, and then they should enjoy it and, and if anybody wants any advice or wants to ask a question then i'm always available on uh, twitter to uh, to answer any uh, questions that, that anybody has yeah and i believe your your handle is dk golf bargains on twitter that's right yeah at dk golf bargains yeah, so dk for dk for DraftKings, then golf and bargains yeah, absolutely. So that that's, I mean, don't come to me for advice. I just get the, the the better expert on, and he can talk for it. But yeah, go go to Lee and then uh, and go to him for his questions. I'll just tell you that Tony Finau can win the Masters and and go from there. But but Lee, thank you very much for joining us, and hopefully we can uh, pick up another few of these in the new year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've enjoyed it as always, and thanks for having me. Yeah, cheers, Lee. Thank you very much. Cheers. Bye.